Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. If you were to head over to Fox News, foxnews.com, what you would see is a headline. Biden's performance criticized questions raised over decision to prioritize race for COVID drugs. Now, we discussed this a couple of days prior. We discussed how New York was saying, well, listen, we're going to decide who gets tests or or certain medications based on race because you see these groups of people over here historically weren't able to get access to certain levels of care and therefore we have to rectify that by not engaging medicines for those who most need it but giving it to people based on the color of their skin because that's fairness tony katz tony katz today it's good to be with you 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I've got more to get into on the Department of Justice with their domestic terrorism unit. Michael Walsh, uh, uh, author, uh, screenwriter, and uh, incredible mind on American history, uh, be with us to kind of break that down. But the idea that you see something that happened in the past and you now want to fix it by taking it out on somebody who did nothing wrong, that's exactly what parents discussing critical race theory see as the problem. Stop telling my child they're guilty and stop telling my child they're oppressed. Stop it. Stop creating hate and vitriol. I would fire every DEI officer in the country. Any college that has a DEI officer, gone. Any high school has a DEI officer, gone. The nature of the position is to promote bigotry and hatred and division. It has no place in our society. A full teaching of history has a place in our society. A recognition of history has a place in our society. Teaching oppressed oppressor, zero zero place. Zero place. If you tell your students, teachers, well, you know America's a racist place. You are part, you're not part and parcel problem. You are the problem. You're the teaching, the oppressed and the oppressor. Because if America's racist, two things have to be happening. Someone has to be the bigot and someone has to be the subject of the bigotry. Oppressed, oppressor, or I should say oppressor, oppressed in the way I described it. Someone has to be doing the oppressing and someone has to be oppressed. If you claim that America is a racist place, you're saying this is happening. And therefore, the student has to assume their position within that structure that you have lied to them about. If you want racism, it's not the nation. It's a policy that says because somebody over there whom you are not related to, connected to, or had nothing to do with did X, you will suffer. Because someone who is is black in America may not have been able to have access to a certain level of care in 1927, 1953. 
You don't get access to the drugs you need to stay alive today. Sorry, sucker. And that's considered progress by some. But everybody knows that is irrational. That is obscene. That is bigotry. Let me give you another example of today's bigotry. This, when I first saw this story, I said, no way. Came out of WSVN uh, in, in Miami. Three jurors unwilling to convict based on race. December 10th, this story came out. You never heard of it. I didn't catch it until this week. I've been trying to get to this story for the past three days. Here's the story. It's the murder trial of Deontay Resiles, R-E-S-I-L-E-S. I think I'm pronouncing it, it properly. Resiles faces life in prison and possibly the death penalty for the murder of Jill Sue, a 59-year-old woman who was killed in her home uh, uh, back in September 2014. According to police, Rosales broke into the home to commit a burglary, found Sue inside, tied her up, and stabbed her to death. His DNA was found on a knife inside the home. And two years after his arrest, he escaped the Broward County courtroom and was found six days later. So just before Thanksgiving, he stands trial. Six days of deliberation. The jury came back with manslaughter. But when it came time for the foreperson to confirm the verdict to the judge, she couldn't do so. The juror is quoted as saying, the whole time I'm staring at the judge at the clerk and we're locking eyes and I'm looking at each one of them. They're waiting for my verdict of either yes, I agree or no, and I just couldn't. That's why I said no. Now, why did this happen? Why were they unable to engage this conviction? That could be a question. What happened in, in, in the case? What evidence did they see? All those kinds of things. That's where, right, the rational mind would go. What happened? Here's what happened. Most of the jury was ready to convict of at least second-degree murder, but three jurors refused because the defendant is black. I'm sorry, what? What does that mean? What in the world does that mean? One juror said, you keep, you guys keep saying a young black man, but I don't see race. I just see a human being. And, you know, one particular person said to me, hey, if you were outside this courtroom, you would have gotten uh, smacked out in the street for this. Well, okay. The, the, the question is, what did we just witness? We witnessed uh, the four person saying that three of the jurors said, I don't want to send a young black male to jail for the rest of their life or have him get the death sentence. They decided not to find someone guilty because they couldn't bring themselves to declare a black man guilty. Now, I'm going to share with you something that my father has shared with me a million times over the years. When I say a million times over the years, I'm going to guarantee you two things. Number one, I grew up way differently than you. Hey, you think I'm intense? Oh, I am a peach, I tell you. Uh, and, and secondly, these conversations started when I was 10. Like, I, I think I can trace them back that early. 
you will meet smart white people in your life and you will meet dumb white people in your life. And you will meet smart black people in your life and you will meet dumb black people in your life and you will meet smart Jews in your life. Remember, I'm Jewish, we're, we're Jewish. And you will meet dumb Jews in your life. Some people are smart and some people are dumb and some people are good and some people are awful. That is the way it is. And the idea that there's there's always this or always that is, of course, not true. Now, my father was always discussing it in a, in a kind of a business context. It was always about how, you, you know, creating a deal with this one or building a, a business relationship with that one. You know, you're, you're going to find people who treat you well, and you're going to find people who treat you poorly. You're going to find people who tell you the truth. You're going to find people who, who lie to you. And they're all different types of people. And so it was always within the context of, of, of that business conversation. When you find jurors who won't convict a black man because he's black, there is no difference than that. Wait for it. Wait for it. There is no difference between that and having three KKK members who won't convict the white guy. There's no difference. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Argue it with me. I'm right here. The bigotry on display here. should offend and make one sick. When we look at the case of Ahmed Arbery, who, uh, that was the case in Georgia, maybe he was an odd dude, maybe he was a strange dude, maybe he was looking in some new construction homes. I'm not saying no. But there is no question, there is absolutely no doubt, no doubt, that those three men, the father and son and the other guy, they imprisoned him. They kept him from running away. They used their car to block him in. They could have let him leave. They didn't want to let him leave. And then when he was cornered and fought for what he thought was his life, they killed him. Could you imagine the idea of saying, we, we can't let this happen to three fine white gentlemen. You, the, the, the country would explode. And for the record, rightfully so. This story is a month old. It just happened to come across my desk uh, on, a, on a retweet on a Twitter account I don't even follow. How is this how is this not the most front page of front page of front page news? How is it not? But in reality it's nothing more than than this this recurring story that we're seeing uh in, like for example in New York. Sorry, if you're the wrong race, you don't get uh, health care. You don't, you don't get any COVID care. No, 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 you'll wait. 
Why? I've got COVID. I'm having trouble breathing. I I got vaccinated. I did everything I was supposed to do. Yeah, but you're white, and so you've done bad things in the past. What? What are you talking? I didn't do anything. Well, somebody who looks like you did it. So, all right. So that's the way it has to be. You know, we have to make up for these things. Justice, justice, justice. Da 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 da. What an obscene society filled with pseudo-intellectuals who believe that they are good and decent and moral. They believe that they're moral. They are the biggest bigots out there. Now, I don't know if Joy Reid talked about this story in Florida with the three jurors unwilling to to convict, but Joy Reid's just another low-rent bigot. Uh, I forgot what it was, Cross, Tiffany Cross, uh, Al Sharpton, a whole host of them. There are bigots out there. Remember, there are racists out there. It's just not a racist nation. There are anti-Semites out there, but it's not an anti-Semitic nation. You see the difference? And when you tell people, well, you know, it's an anti-Semitic nation. Well, then you have people who hate Jews, and then you have uh, the Jews under attack. If you tell people it's a racist nation, you have bigots, and then you have black people under attack, right? That, that's, that's, how you're, that's how you're saying it. That's how you're sharing it. That's how you're putting it out there. And that, of course, is obscene. The bigotry is this case in Florida. The bigotry is how they're treating COVID patients in New York. That's actual Bigotry. That is actual hate. Now you know the difference. I'm Tony Katz. Here's an ugly story. And this just came out from the post-millennial. This is ugly. Talk about more bigotry. Is this where we are, the craziness of vaccinations? I oppose all mandates. Vaccine works for COVID, not for SARS-CoV-2, not for, for Omicron. Just, so we all understand each other. It doesn't. It wasn't built for Omicron. But the Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver, British Columbia, according to reports, served an eviction notice on unvaccinated children, including cancer patients and their parents, right? So that's what the Ronald McDonald House does. You're able to stay somewhere. Your kid's getting treatment. That's what they do. It's actually quite a a beautiful, beautiful thing. So a guy by the name of Austin Ferguson, who's the father of a four-year-old with leukemia, who's been undergoing treatment since October, posted the video to Facebook showing a letter from the Ronald McDonald House Charities making the announcement of the, the, the evictions. That's, I'm, I'm looking at the letter right now. Beginning January 17th, 2022, everyone five years and older who are working, staying in the facilities, uh, both the house uh, and, and, and the, another place, must show, full, must show proof of full vaccination, two doses, in addition to completing uh, whatever it is to complete, unless accommodation has been sought and explicitly approved. All tenants, adults, and children over the age of five who are not vaccinated are out by the end of January. 
yeah, I'm worried about society. <laughs> I don't know about you. Holy crap. That is obscene. In addition to completing our existing screening, unless an accommodation has been sought. That's what it reads. You must show proof of full vaccination, two doses, in addition to completing our existing screening, unless an accommodation has been sought and has been explicitly approved and granted by Ronald McDonald House Charities in writing. That's the, the upside down. How, how else could you possibly begin to describe it? How else would you want to describe it? It's It's madness. It's diseased. It's about whether or not civilization still exists. Can you imagine being so afraid of COVID you take it out on children? Because isn't that what we're discussing? The child is there to fight cancer. The odds of the child dying from cancer far greater than the child dying from COVID. So it's not about the child, it's about other adults. Adults so afraid, they'll take it out on kids. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just uh, remind myself uh, that there is good in the world. <laughs> we, should, we should be fully aware of this. There is absolutely positively good in the world. But it's, it's, it's often as if somehow people have never asked themselves, wait a second, does this make any sense? I often uh, describe it as uh, the end of Atlas Shrugged. And you've got this, this guard who, who, who knows that if they don't do something, they're going to get killed. But they can't bring themselves to make the decision because they've been told they're, they're not allowed to. Um, you know, to, to, to make that decision. They're not allowed to think for themselves, but they know if they don't think for themselves, they're going to get killed. And you see the, the inner conflict. But this is what they have to say. You have to throw kids out? McDonald's is going to take it on the chin. Now, this is going to be Ronald McDonald's house and not McDonald's. This is going to be Canada and possibly Canadian laws and not the United States. Uh, I don't think it's going to matter. I think people are going to start going to Wendy's for their fries. Maybe they're going to go to Arby's and do the Diablo Dare. I will talk about the Diablo Dare. In the meantime, the Department of Justice with the Domestic Terrorism Unit, which one can only uh, assume means the DOJ is going after parents. Just like how they call them domestic terrorists, now they're going to codify the situation. Michael Walsh scheduled to be with us to break it down. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. All right. So has our own federal government been weaponized against us? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is the question. We've got former FBI officials saying this new Department of Justice unit on domestic terrorism was driven by the January 6th riots. Well, I'm not somebody who favors the January 6th riots. I didn't favor any of the riots. But we never needed a unit 
to engage in domestic terrorism regarding riots in Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis, Indianapolis. We didn't need anybody to engage uh, domestic terrorism when they were trying to set churches on fire in D.C. or trying to attack Trump when he was in the White House. What is it that we're looking at here? I've got the DOJ already uh, calling uh, parents or accepting that parents are domestic terrorists. I've got the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, soliciting letters to call parents domestic terrorists. What are we looking at here? And how do you come back as a society from a total disintegration of faith in the institutions? Michael Walsh joins us right now, the author, uh, the screenwriter. His latest book, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost, a massive seller on Amazon.com and wherever fine books are sold. An incredible author and a long history of doing the study of America, understanding American history, understanding uh, how government works in the things uh, that that he has uh, done and pursued in his writing. And Michael, let's start with the basics. This new unit, if you will, Kira Davis, our friend writing about it over at Red State, uh, it seems that a domestic terrorism unit in this Department of Justice means, hey, American citizens, we're watching you. Well, I think you got that right, Tony, but the, the, the simplest answer to this is that it is the logical outcome of the results of the 2020 election. And by that, I mean not only Biden's election, if you want to put that in scare quotes, that's fine with me, but it's the result of the narrowness of it. There's, inside every leftist is a totalitarian screaming to get out, I, as David Horowitz famously said and he should know because he used to be one of them. Uh, they see the moment slipping away from them because the American public has caught on to the disaster of the Brandon administration. They've caught on to this despicable COVID hoax, which is just now being revealed in all of its glory that people don't die from COVID. Very few do. They die with it. And a series of comorbidities, as Rochelle Walensky said yesterday. So the American people know that the the jig is up and the Democrats know it. And they are rushing with the narrowest possible majority. They have, remember, tied Senate with only Vice President Harris as the tiebreaker and an extremely close House. A couple of seats switch and, and it's game over. They have to do this now because, Tony, as you know, as well as I do, once a federal program is started, it is never stopped. Now, let's it just be never clear. be gotten rid of. Let's be clear about two things. Uh, the hoax conversation is not that COVID uh, doesn't exist. It is the fear conversation that has come around COVID. Just for those people who are going to go after Michael for no good reason, don't, don't even waste your time. But the right. real question about this regarding the DOJ is what is this? a domestic mm-hmm. terrorism unit. You would think that the Department of Justice was already looking at domestic terrorism. So what is this unit that they've now magically created? Well, it depends on your definition of domestic terrorism. As you know, the left has a different definition for terms than we on the right do. And the left deeply believes, because they're atheists and irreligious, most of them, 
Their faith is in government and government power. They believe that opposition to them is not only unprincipled, but ought to be illegal. So they are now compiling a database of Americans, people like you and me, Tony, who are quite upfront about our beliefs because we are deeply principled men. Uh, they believe that, that we are domestic terrorists. They're, they're, they're going to put us on that list because, again, it has to do with power slipping away from them. Uh, Merrick Garland, who luckily was not appointed to the, uh, appointed to the Supreme Court thanks to Mitch McConnell, Uh, is not a good man. And you are seeing how deeply vicious he is in the way he is applying the law. So they have two sets of laws. Trying to hold them to consistency is a fool's errand because it will drive us crazy. What about Antifa? What about Black Lives Matter? What about the riots? What about the peaceful protests where we saw cities burning to the ground? Oh, that's different because we say so. This is who we're dealing with. Talking to Michael Walsh, the screenwriter and author of the latest book, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost, available at Amazon.com. You may also want to start digging into The Devil's Pleasure Palace, The Cult of Critical Theory and the Subversion of the West, and Fiery Angel, which is the follow-up, Art, Culture, Sex, Politics, and the Struggle for the Soul of the West. Because all of these things, Michael, Mm. they all tie in together and in order to set the stage i, I want to share with you something happening in my beloved indiana where the okay. indiana democratic party has started sending out missives in their press releases that talk about how the republican party is only interested in the culture wars and they're starting the culture wars about schools and critical race theory and they all they want to do is fight unnecessary culture wars and it's all made up As a guy who was there, although I didn't work with him, around the days of Andrew Breitbart and the days where you were running big journalism and the days of engaging this idea that there is indeed a culture war. If you don't win the culture, you don't have anything. Damn straight, it's a culture war, and I plan on winning, baby. But it seems to me that, that, that this conversation from the DOJ, this is all connected into that fight. Yes, well, they've weaponized the Justice Department and, as we know, the FBI. I mean, right now we're talking about uh, we saw Ted Cruz yesterday questioning some of the stooges from the FBI who could just say, I can't answer that question, Senator, because they don't want to answer that question. That's the problem. Talk about you can't handle the truth. This is where we're at now. We've We've seen with the Gretchen Whitmer alleged kidnapping plot how many FBI people were involved in actually fomenting it. And we we now understand the FBI's job is to go in and basically entrap people into schemes that they wouldn't have necessarily thought of otherwise. The FBI, I'm very sorry to say, because it was once a very excellent agency, has become a disgrace and a joke. But the left will weaponize these things because they're going to need to be able to get at us even when they lose by massive vote in the fall both the Senate and the House, and then hopefully uh, in 2024 when Ron DeSantis is elected president of the United States. They're scared, and this is what what they do when they're scared. They lash out. Let's now expand this conversation about the FBI failing us. You know, I think you're the first guy I ever heard say publicly, you know, uh, the CIA is a hot mess and has not done any good in a great number of years. Like, like it was, it was your, your takedown of the CIA was, was vicious, but now 
you take a look at the lack of faith in the FBI, the lack of faith in the Department of Justice, the lack of faith in the CDC, the lack of faith in the IRS as it was used as a cudgel against Americans during the days of the Tea Party. The lack of faith in the institutions, one could argue, is the point and is the purpose and is the plan of the cultural Marxist. And I want you to explain what a cultural Marxist is, but, but going a little bit further, how do you rebuild faith in these institutions once they're destroyed? The faith. Oh, that's an incendiary question, but I'll answer the first one first. The cultural Marxist, which comes out of the Frankfurt School, which I wrote about in Devil's Pleasure Palace, and our friend Mark Levin wrote about in American Marxism last year, uh, engaged in something called the long march through the institutions. They realized if they could get in at the ground floor and burrow away, eventually they could take over these institutions. And they have succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. And that's why the institutions, to us, no longer have any legitimacy. They've been, who was it, Iowa Hawk, who said, you know, basically you find a respected institution, kill it, and then wear its skin, you know, over you, like uh, the, in, in one of the, the uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter novels. Um, they've taken over and corrupted these institutions, so we've, we've lost faith in them. How do we get them back is really an important question, because as you saw, Donald Trump, for all of his good intentions, was frustrated and stymied by the entrenched bureaucracy, which began to work against his effective presidency the day he was elected, the day after, when Hillary Clinton invented the Russian collusion hoax. And, of course, the media was only too happy to run with it and award itself Pulitzer Prizes for two years before the Mueller investigation came to nothing. I don't know how we get them out. I would say getting rid of the civil service would be a step, but that's a step that we're just never going to take. That was a Republican Party invention back in the 19th century. It was meant to replace spoil system and patronage, and it was supposed to be good government, and you see how thoroughly it's been corrupted now. Michael Walsh, uh, find his latest book, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All Is Lost. That's available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You brought up Ron DeSantis, right? You brought up Ron DeSantis, and there's this whole story right now that Trump is saying, uh, you know, uh, why won't you tell us uh, why, when people won't talk about their vaccination status? You know, they're 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 being weak. They got to they got to stand up and talk about it. I don't know what they're they're so afraid of. Um, they're mm. gutless is what he said. And, and that seems to be a hit on Ron DeSantis, who wouldn't talk about his vaccination status uh, just the other day. Um, you you. I, I understand being a fan of, of Ron DeSantis. I get the, under, the the idea of being a fan of a fighter. When you take a look at the Republican Party right now, is there still a strong establishment Jeb-type mentality out there? Or have they figured out, at least for elections, you got to have somebody who fights? No, I think that's right. I think you've seen the last of Jeb. Hopefully you've seen the last of the Bush family. Tony, you and I have known each other a long time. I've never had a good word to say especially about Bush one. I thought he was a very, very bad president and, and really undermined the Reagan administration in so many important ways that we lost the momentum from that. We don't need any more Bushes such as Jeb. We don't need any more squishes. Uh, we need people who will fight. And Donald Trump, I have great admiration for. I was a big supporter of him. Uh, 
as you may know, I was being considered for a position in the administration near the end of the uh, of the electoral uh, the election that we unfortunately lost. Uh, I would have happily worked for him. Uh, I think he's a, a, a great but flawed man. I also think, being 72 years old now, that it's time for the baby boomers to get off the stage, except in an advisory capacity. I don't think we should be ruled by a gerontocracy. Joe Biden is far too old, and everyone can see how diminished in capacity he is. Uh, Donald Trump will be 78 years old at the time of the next election. That means he'd be 82 at the time of the end of his second term. Uh, this, Even though we're, we stay younger longer, this is really, I think, too long. And I think the DeSantis generation, your generation, actually, really needs to step up and, and take over. The baby boomers have, we've had the stage since 1963. Uh, it's time for us to uh, be packed off to the retirement home, in my opinion. Michael Walsh, uh, the book, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. And I always forget the name. I don't know why I do this. Uh, the, the, the site that you edit. Oh, the site that I edit is called thepipeline.org. Uh, and it's devoted to energy issues where we, we spend a lot of time on COVID. And Tony, if I can get in a real quick uh, news item flash, uh, we have just uh, sold a book of 18 essays by the best writers in the whole world called Against the Great Reset. And for the listeners who don't know what the Great Reset is, it's a plan by the uh, Davos World Economic Forum to completely ruin your life in the name of climate change and, and other uh, leftist notions. So that book, Against the Great Reset, uh, will be coming out uh, from uh, Post Hill Press, Bombardier Books, in the fall, sometime around October. We just closed that deal last week, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. I've edited all 18 of them, and I've written two of them myself. So uh, I hope our listeners will watch out for that, and I'll certainly let you know the minute it goes up on Amazon for pre-sale. When it does, you will be here. Michael Walsh, I appreciate you taking the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Mitch McConnell's looking for another term as Senate Republican leader. Uh, I'd question who would actually run against him. Seriously, I I don't know what Republicans in the Senate would move against him where they would have movement. It doesn't matter what you think uh, about Mitch McConnell. Uh, It's it's a question of where is it? The Senate leadership, Thune or, 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 or Ron Johnson, um, uh, Senator Todd Young of Indiana, they're not going to make any move. I just don't see it. So, And I don't see who the, the, the maverick is who wants it. Cruz isn't going to make a move, and Lee isn't going to make a move, I just in terms of bigger names. So it's his. It's 150% his for the taking. Because I, I actually don't know if anybody else even wants the thing, to be honest. And interest rate hikes are coming. 
We, of course, have been seeing this. Uh, You've seen that the Fed has reduced their bond buying, tapering that off. We knew interest rate hikes were coming. We already saw the Bank of England uh, go, go this way. The uh, Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, who's looking to get another term, uh, saying that the economy is healthy enough and in need of tighter monetary policy. It's that inflation, which is at 7%. It's that inflation, children. That's the story. That's 100% the story. So um, uh, buy what you can now. Because it's just going to cost you more later. You might be buying early, but you'll be buying cheaper. You can't deny the facts on that one. Twitter and Getter and Instagram at Tony Katz. Be sure to follow me. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.